Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to episode 58, I know that because it's written in front of me, um, of uh, The Followers. Today we were joined by uh, Shannon Beer. Um, you may have uh, recently uh, or heard one of our recent podcasts with uh, Dr. Gabrielle Fundero, where she um, uh, worked herself and Shannon, um, have their own collaborative uh, business uh, going um, uh, at the moment with coaching coaches as well as uh, clients as well. But uh, Shannon came on today to speak a little bit about her background and how she approaches I suppose um, coaching and nutrition and deals with things like body image uh, and uh, and so on um, I for one I think Shan is an, a wealth of knowledge in in this area and I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the the topics that we we went through how did you uh, what, what were the big standouts for you today Murph yeah it was really interesting we just you know got dug into body image and how like it's not what your body looks like it's how you perceive what your body looks like and then just the discussion around what is health towards the end yeah no it was it was fascinating just to just to see just the, the actual complexities that are there that often maybe can get overlooked so yeah i suppose without further ado uh we jump into today's episode enjoy a couple of weeks ago we had Dr. Gabrielle Fundar on and you're working together. I just automatically assumed at the time and from looking at some of your social media and stuff that you're American and then like listen to a few podcasts over the last week doing a bit of research. This is like, oh, such a lovely, calming British accent there. How did you end up becoming in contact with Gabrielle and starting off the, the direction you have currently been going with the comprehensive coaching? I actually met Gabrielle at a conference in London um, and then I did a year basically of traveling and going to different conferences around the world so we met up in London um, had a good chat with her and then we met again a few times in different locations across Australia and then we just stayed in touch mostly via Instagram just talking about I guess general things that have been catching our attention and we noticed that there had been a little bit of a dialogue around intuitive eating with a few misconceptions you know asking about well is intuitive eating appropriate for athletes and we were like well we're kind of missing like the whole point here so we were having a discussion about it I had an article written on intuitive eating and which Gabrielle reshared and then we decided just to write our own article addressing sort of some of the things that we'd seen and it kind of just spiraled from there. So one article turned into an article series. It got a good response from our audience who then requested um, a webinar series, which is when we just kind of ended up formulating an entire framework for coaching that we've termed comprehensive coaching, which draws from motivational interviewing, acceptance and commitment training, cognitive behavioral coaching as a sort of way to bridge a few gaps that we've been seeing in the industry. Industry. So not only the gap between sort of different camps, you know, like the um, pro diet versus the anti diet group, but also the gap between coach and client as well. Um, we know from both of our experiences that we've worked with a number of people who sort of had, I guess, off-putting um, experiences with coaching. And I know a lot of coaches struggle with feeling like they're on the same page with their clients. So we wanted to come up with a framework that sort of addressed all of those issues, um, which is, is what we did. And yeah, it's kind of just expanded um, from there. We sort of meet on a weekly basis. We always have a bunch of things that we want to work on. And yeah, we're just working towards improving I guess the dynamic and um, in the industry through 
creating a common understanding you know we we value different perspectives and we want to be able to bring people together to sort of um, help people achieve what it is that they want to achieve rather than we're all sort of you know talking about our own ways and um, not really getting anywhere so yeah I guess that's how it all started and it's been over a year and a half two years I don't even know anymore <laughs> um, but it's, yeah it's been a really enjoyable um, pursuit for both of us we're going to dig into that comprehensive coaching in maybe 10 or so minutes but a few other things you want to just look at first but like you're largely working internationally now you can you don't you don't have to be settled to one base but you originally came from like a law background in that how did you end up coming towards the nutrition route or even health yeah. coaching route <laughs> um so I never really intended to when I did my law degree it was more so just an opportunity to move out of home and live in London I was like what am I supposed to do now you know and I, I wasn't really sure what to study um so law was just something that I was doing to, to bide my time it seemed like a reasonable thing to do but I soon realized that it wasn't something that I was particularly interested in um so after that I started thinking well you know what am I interested in and I found that I was spending more of my spare time just learning more about nutrition so I heard about Mac Nutrition, the online sort of um, nutrition qualification, and was like, oh, well, that sounds like a great idea. So I'd always intended to go traveling after my degree. So I was like, well, this way I can kill two birds with one stone. I get to travel and enjoy myself, but also have something that I'm working towards at the same time. And I picked up a few clients just from um, working at home. I spent some time working in a CrossFit box, ended up talking to the members there, and it just sort of came from from that um, and then I worked spent some time on a working holiday visa in Australia and I worked with um, an Australian coaching company and then after a year or so I ended up working on my own because I had um, a different direction that I wanted to go in which I guess will kind of touch upon like some of the issues that I was noticing in regards to like body image um, and like coaching practices and with the work with Gabrielle, I just found that there was a certain direction that I was going in. And that's kind of just, yeah, it's all happened, I guess, somewhat organically. Um, and I just feel like I'm just going with the flow. And I always say to Gabrielle that I'm just pootling along and <laughs> who knows what's going to happen next type thing. Um, just responding to what I think people need and doing my best, you know, to be able to do that. And you mentioned there, body, body image, it's something you've you know done a few bits about like I was looking at that booklet the ebook you've put out about it as well and I think it's an important one that we can possibly look at I think the focus around it or the impact it's had on the population has increased a lot possibly with the rise of social media and that they are particularly through Instagram inextricably linked there in some way and it's often an underlying motivator for people to want to diet to exercise and often to the point of obsession and it's also kind of that meeting point of physical and psychological because it's your psychological perception of what your your physical body looks like or appears to look like to others or to yourself how did it kind of rise to prominence with yourself at the start well I was actually reading um, a lot of research into dietary restraints because I was trying to figure out exactly where we would draw the line between sort of flexible and rigid dietary restraint given that we would typically assume say something like macro tracking is very flexible but it didn't seem to be so in practice so I was reading in the research into dietary restraint um, and a lot of the time body image would come up due to sort of the association between more rigid forms of dieting and body dissatisfaction 
Um, so I began doing some research into body image because it seemed very relevant to the populations I was working with. As you say, a common motivator for wanting to change one's appearance is body dissatisfaction. And when someone's coming as a client to lose weight, I wanted to make sure that we would do so in a healthy way and only doing it if it's actually going to make a, a difference in someone's life. And often it would go the other way, super restrictive with their eating behaviors, a lot of sort of self-sabotage, missing out on social occasions, a lot of critical self-talk. And I was trying to understand, you know, where does all this sort of come from and what can I do to help them with these problems? So I did a lot of research into body image. And what was very useful about that is that I could see what I was reading in research happening in real life with the clients that I was working with so they would say one thing and that would trigger something that I had read about and I was like well this all kind of makes sense now as to why it's such a problem and then I thought well if body image is the issue as you mentioned it's more of a um, cognitive or psychological construct in that it's much more to do with the way that we perceive ourselves rather than what our bodies actually are in reality and that perception may be um, flawed in the sense that it's not accurate so people may see themselves differently and have certain feelings um, associated with that and then begin to behave in different ways so if someone is dissatisfied with their appearance or um, a lot of their self-worth is tied up in their appearance it's very important for them to look a certain way then they may um, experience thoughts that are quite self-critical about their appearance and maybe quite self-conscious in social situations and then as a result of that they may act in certain ways for example somebody may step on the scale see a number that they don't like tell themselves that they're a failure um, or that their weight isn't good enough and then go to extreme lengths to diet and restrict that day so you can see how the way that we view ourselves and the thoughts that we have, the feelings associated with those and the behaviors that we engage in are all tied up. And that sort of indicated to me, well, if I actually, what I want to do with people isn't just to change their body composition. Like I really couldn't care less what any of my clients look like. I just care that they're happy with themselves and, and their lives. And um, as a result of that, it became very clear that simply helping people to diet and lose weight isn't going to be enough um, and may not even be the right thing for some people, even though that's what they feel like they need at that moment when they're signing up for coaching. So I um, did a lot more research into body image and into interventions designed to improve someone's body image. So not just knowing what it is and how it operates, but actually knowing, well, is there something we can do here? Like, how can we work on this? And is there a way to integrate this with nutrition coaching? Um, and it turns out there is. So that's kind of now what a lot of my clients come to me for is Often they will have a physique goal, but they also recognize that, you know what, you know, maybe there is some additional work to go alongside that. And they want to find a way to balance their um, goals with their nutrition, their goals with their training and their goals with their lifestyle. Um, so that's kind of where all of that came about. And with uh, so you just mentioned there, Shannon, that a lot of your clients are coming to you knowing that that this is how you approach things and all that. How do you find dealing with someone maybe who comes to you but isn't fully aware of that? Somebody who just has that maybe rigid mentality of this is a, a scales thing that I'm working on or this is a, an image I have in my head, uh, which can obviously be a, a consistently moving goalpost for, uh, for people. How do you kind of 
start off your approach with people like that, uh, maybe who who aren't, you know, they, they don't particularly want to hear, oh, we'll, we'll keep your health in mind, we'll, we'll look at your lifestyle, we'll try to make sure you're enjoying what you're doing. Is, is there any kind of, I suppose, um, tips or bits of guidance, say for any coaches listening, uh, you know, that they could be looking to incorporate um, into, I, I know you mentioned motivational kind of uh, interviewing, stuff like that. Is, is, are there uh, initial steps that you would use to try and bring someone like that on site or, or how do you approach someone like that? Absolutely. And this is really important because oftentimes as coaches, we may be able to spot what we perceive to be an issue in the way that a client is acting or like goals that they have for themselves. For example, someone with body dissatisfaction, really wanting to, to diet, to change their body. And it's very natural to want to um, help in a way that actually ends up being unhelpful in the sense that we can't force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do or that they're not ready for or that they don't see the value in. So if that is the case and somebody is very caught up in, in dieting um, and going to sort of extreme lengths to do so, then I think one thing that's really helpful is firstly, by doing as much as we can to raise awareness, maybe outside of the one-to-one like coaching interaction. So for example, a lot of my clients find me on Instagram. So a lot of the content that I put out on there speaks to body image because most people probably aren't aware. I think it's very natural for people to believe that dieting is the answer, because of sort of the um, social and cultural environments that we are living in. Um, we know that the media, as you mentioned at the start, has a large sort of impact in um, the way that we view ourselves or what we would associate as success. So of course, it's very common for, for people to want to change their body composition. And it's not necessarily a bad thing either. So if someone would benefit from working on their body image, it's probably because something's going on that is actually causing them distress in some way. So they may be engaging in pretty restrictive dietary um, habits. They may notice that their feelings about themselves haven't changed, even as they've got closer to a weight loss goal. So I would just begin by um, evoking awareness around that. If there's you know, a reason for someone to improve their body image, you've got an indication as to why. Like you can probably see something going on in that client's life. Otherwise, body image wouldn't be a problem for them, you know? So there's a reason that you think it would be beneficial. So just helping someone to see that what they're doing um, is causing them some kind of harm. And it could just be one exercise that I like, um, which is drawn from acceptance and commitment training, is creative hopelessness. So showing someone that what they've tried in the past isn't working for them. You know, and if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, what do you think is going to happen? So that could be the case of like restrictive dieting. They're like, yeah, well, it does work whilst I follow it, but then I can't keep it up um, because I'm missing out on life. I'm craving all my favorite foods and I'm thinking about food a lot and I just don't want to live that way. Well, then helping someone to see that, you know, well, what happens if you carry on? You know, you mentioned that you end up sort of gaining the weight back. What do you think would be different about this time? Is there another way that we could approach things? And asking a client what they think they would like to do 
And sometimes they'll turn around and say, yeah, I can see that this is a problem, but I just don't know any alternatives. And that's your opportunity to ask for their permission to potentially provide them with some information or some guidance um, to give them a, a, an overview of what their options are. You know, when we talk about body image work, people are like, what, what does that mean? Like, I have no idea what's involved with that. Um, and, and why would you? So sort of explaining a little bit about the process, like, hey, I know that your goal here is to improve how you feel about yourself, improve your confidence so that um, you have more time and energy to dedicate to the other important things in your life. Would you like to learn a little bit more about some additional work that we can do alongside your nutrition coaching so that you don't have to wait until you've achieved your goals until you start feeling better? You know, you can learn how to feel better about yourself right now which actually might make the process of achieving these physique goals easier because it removes like some of the self-sabotage um and once they're like oh okay yeah what is this you know you've piqued my curiosity yeah please tell me more then you can sort of explain well um there is some like some other things that we can be doing here to sort of assess why you feel the way that you do and maybe making some changes uh, it could involve things like keeping a body image diary challenging some of your thoughts and thinking about the way that um, this impacts your life and areas of your life that you may have been neglecting and we can do all of that what are your thoughts on that and then someone will either say yep sounds like a good idea let's go for him or they may not and if they don't want to do that then that's up to them. You know, you've done your, uh, you've fulfilled your role here in offering sort of information and guidance. But again, if somebody doesn't want to do that or they're not ready at that stage, that's okay. We have to respect someone's decision. Um, so I think that we can do our best by trying to change some of the um, messaging that we put out and being very careful about the way that we promote our services or making it clear that there are other options available and um, expressing that to our clients with their sort of permission to offer a little bit more information, but ultimately respecting their decision either way. It's one thing that just came to my mind as you were mentioning all that was, I suppose, the tendency of nutrition coaching or personal training coaching to um, display results through image on the left, image on the right, and we just it's very clear that it's a body image it's a weight loss most of the time it's maybe you know increased muscle mass and that which can be great but if you're comparing you know a before and after of that I can imagine that years well like I've experienced that with with clients that and I'm just looking for your own insight into that just I suppose maybe the negative impacts that that can have on somebody who maybe is looking to uh, actually improve just their health uh, you know improve uh, everything that you've just mentioned there or just have an impact on all those things but they they only know it from they only know it as a kind of a weight loss uh, approach and I, I i don't know how how do you i feel like the industry itself is kind of has to hold its hand up and go that it maybe you know ran before it could walk a little bit with with, with stuff like that but uh, how do you do you feel like that's improving any bit or the impact of it is changing I'm not sure whether or not it's improving because I only sort of see my own small corner of the industry and I tend to um, follow you know more sort of people who promote uh more balanced overview and I'm often surprised at some of the things that say my clients may have 
shifts in and been subjected to and the types of accounts that are still out there. So I don't know whether the, the industry is changing on a whole. I definitely see some positive sort of movement in uh, thinking about these broader sort of concerns, which is great. But the, the issue with the transformation photos is that, like, of course, we want to celebrate our client's success. But as you say, by promoting hey here's what they looked like before here's what they look like now like what a great success that's been it does sort of lend itself to to reinforcing the idea that our success is tied up in our physical changes and much of the the work that I do with clients like you probably wouldn't even notice a physical difference but the way that they feel about themselves is dramatically different and that's what again I want to help people achieve so but in that sense, a before and after is not relevant. And there's been a bit more research recently on the role of social media in terms of um, impacting people's body image and whether we can use social media to foster a positive and promote a positive body image. And it seems that the images themselves are more important than the captions. So we may think that we're doing a great thing by posting a before and after and being like, yeah, this person is so much more confident. They've gained so much more strength and highlighting some of those like non-scale victories. But the caption itself is usually pretty ineffective. People are just going to see the image and that's going to be the first thing and the main thing that they take away. So promoting a diverse range of appearances, if we're going to use bodies at all um, or ideally using images that aren't appearance focused would be um, the most helpful in terms of promoting a positive body image and we don't even know if we can really do that it may just be that hey let's just not add more harm we don't know if we can make any like positive changes just through social media and so I think that's like an important thing for us to consider it's a lot of responsibility and that's for sure and we're never going to get it right 100% of the time but I think just to be conscious of our impact um, through the things that we are promoting online is something that I would say is like a, a part of the job, you know, it is an obligation if you care about the well-being of people who may be viewing that content. And unfortunately, I think the risk of posting before and afters outweighs some of the potential benefits in terms of marketing or whatever it is. Um, because I do think there are other ways that we can be doing that, that be, be less um, risky. And I, I know that, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop pestering you about this now in a, in a, in a few minutes, but um, I know that you have a, uh, you, you're the part of your business with uh, Dr. Fondero on coaching coaches on how to actually approach coaching clients and that. But uh, and I think that, that that is that is fantastic because it it's an area that I, I feel is um, is very open to interpretation. You're, you you can learn the science. You can do a Mickey Mouse course if you want it, it, it because things are so loose in our own nutrition, especially in our own diet. But um, I, I, I would just uh, like to know your thoughts on maybe uh, if you feel there's gap there in uh, the education of nutritionists um, there that maybe could be looked at instead of depending on maybe the market. Uh, so just say the three of us here have our own individual coaching companies where coaching coaches in different ways and uh, you know that obviously the market then kind of takes off in its own way but do you feel there should be more of an overriding kind of uh, control in place for what you know is what kind of education is applied to um uh, to people looking to become nutritionists uh, first they 
in, in that regard, in that coaching regard, outside of what we know from a scientific perspective, just from the, the actual coaching, the messaging uh, and, and that? Because I'm not sure in terms of like control, what can be done to better regulate the industry? I think it's a very difficult thing to do. But I do think there would be a lot of benefits in having more options available in terms of further education, because I feel as though part of the issue is that our education and development as coaches has been very much geared towards, oh, let's learn more about nutrition. Let's learn more about training and become like absolute pros in that. Whereas actually, I think we need a broad range of skills. So how about communication for coaches, for example, like the motivational interviewing? And I know that that comes hand in hand with certain qualifications, but not all. So I'd like to see like an increased availability in things like that. Um, but also, I like to compare, uh, well, I've drawn a lot of inspiration from different sort of therapeutic models in terms of, because I think the relationship's important, you know, we're not doing therapy with our clients, but it is a, a one-to-one sort of trusting and, and safe environment that we're trying to cultivate. And I know that therapists have to go through a lot of training hours that are supervised. And I was thinking, we don't have anything like that when it comes to coaching. There's no need or like um, requirement for supervision before you can become, achieve some sort of level of accreditation. It's just sort of, yeah, you can do this, any online course, off you go. Most of your clients probably won't even check to see what you're qualified in. They just want to, you know, get the results. And if it looks like you're achieving results online, then they're going to go for you no matter what. So how do we sort of prevent things like that? Um, and it is it's a very difficult question I, I don't know how we can do that but the reason that I think it's important is because when you're working with someone on their nutrition it's not just their nutrition that you're working on you know like we we see nutrition but broader education um, is very necessary and yeah some form of, of regulation I just don't know what that would look like but I certainly do think that it is an issue and that's partly why Gabrielle and I are trying to not only increase awareness, but also foster um, a collaborative sort of environment because many coaches that I've worked with, we we do our, our webinar series, but we also do one-to-one coaching as well, uh, as in mentoring other coaches. And through my mentorships, I've worked with a number of coaches who are just very scared to, they're like, I see all these issues. I, I'm scared to do anything now because I don't want to be causing any harm with my clients. How do I find sort of my voice in that sort of messy middle gray area? Um, and it is something that's very difficult to navigate. So, I mean, do you have any ideas? What are, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's a really interesting question. Um, I, I don't. Well, I, I think about it quite a bit. But again, like that, I, 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 it's like it's a deep void of... of uh, I, I, I struggle to figure out what, what's best to do. But your recommendation there around uh, post-qualification um, actual, you know, supervisory uh, setup that you know to get your to get an accreditation that you have some steps to go through there to show that yeah you are actually you, you have the the aptitude the uh, application you understand what you're approaching and for me um, you mentioned that you'd have coached who are too who are really scared that they're not you know they're unsure of where to go I would I rather hearing that than hearing that somebody's scared they're like oh. I need to know so much more. I need to understand so much more than what I tend to see quite a lot of. So I, I, I know, like you mentioned, you keep your, your feed to kind of, 
the almost the bubble that you uh, that uh, you appreciate you're looking to follow I kind of keep a, a little bit of um, both sides of things I don't agree with and things that uh, you know people that I do uh, appreciate as well so that I can kind of keep myself in, like what is the rest of the the community out there like and I see a lot of uh, things that I'm just like whoa and these would be from people who are really bubbly, really, you know, interesting, really fun people who really care about their clients, but their approach can be very um, locked down. And I, I, I feel that something like you mentioned there would be great, something like a supervisory role, but because it's unregulated, the, the nutrition, like you don't have to, you can, we could just do a weekend course and uh, that's not going to go okay you've done our weekend course but now you need to sign up here before you can actually work with someone so there are some um there, there's a lot of op- there are a lot of open ends uh but it, i i for me it's just getting the conversation going and continuing the conversation and pushing that conversation on to see well what can be tried what can be discussed i would love for say things like um the afn uh you know uh they they have a decent framework in place um but i don't feel like it's necessarily um you know uh used as well as it, it, it could be um uh, so i i think that there, there there are some place some things in place that could be expanded on and improved upon but as long as i guess nutrition is open-ended and anyone can kind of just turn up and work in it if uh, it, you know that as long as it's that open-ended i feel like you're you're really just hoping that uh, the right people uh, step up and that they attract in as many as as many clients as possible to take care of the masses. But yeah, it, it's uh, I, I didn't expect you to throw it back on me. I'm delighted you did. But it is something that I do kind of uh, wrestle with a little bit, just trying to figure out what, what where, where things can go. Absolutely. I do feel optimistic about the way that the industry is headed. I do think we're, you know, at least we're acknowledging that this is an issue. And I think the next step, as you say, is just to um, continue to sort of think about how we may be able to improve those standards. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's why I sort of wanted to throw it back on you. And even if like the listeners have any suggestions as well to like feedback to us, because we all sort of are aware that it can be an issue. But I think the answer is not necessarily as clear-cut as we would like Mm -hmm. and a lot more collaborative work too between uh maybe people who uh study like mental health coaching or uh uh you know psychology uh, around uh eating disorders different things like that and bringing those that community uh, closer to the nutrition community i know joel bryan is fantastic uh head first for anyone uh listening he's he's brilliant in that field and he's really working hard in 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 that area but um again there, there are few there there are a few people that I, I follow again they're on my my good side i'm like yeah I, I i look up to these people i follow these people these, these people are full of really cool ideas and really uh i suppose uh interesting approaches to to this whole area but yeah it's how how do you drag all those over to you know meet uh, uh the the opposite end as well uh so yeah no it, it is uh it is fascinating and i i would be optimistic too i do think that that the voice uh on social media the power of voice on social media it, if it's consistent and it's uh and uh the, the messaging coming from the likes of yourself is constantly you know coming out and speaking out that it, it does it does uh make its way 
uh, into into larger sections of the industry. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's very important um, if we don't know the answers to at least embody certain characteristics, like willing a willingness to listen to different perspectives, you know, open-mindedness, humility in our own um, knowledge and sort of an awareness of what we don't know so that we can, as you say, learn to collaborate with others who have expertise in, in different areas. So, um, yeah, I feel like things are moving in the, the right direction. And hopefully it's only a matter of time before we see some of those more standardized practices being put into place. That's great. Um, I, I guess, actually, I, I know we didn't kind of um, uh, go into too much at the start, but I'd love to know like what your own um, interest in nutrition actually uh, really came from yourself. Like, you know, to I know you looked at Mac Uni to to go down that line but why nutrition uh, what was uh, what was it about that that you were like oh this is this is this is a bit of me yeah it's really difficult to say um i think that i began getting interested in nutrition because i wanted to learn sort of more about oh you know how could i be healthy i was moving out um cooking for myself and i was always sort of active because my mom is actually a personal trainer. So it was very much like in sort of tune with, right. You know, it's important to feel healthy and strong and that helps me with other things that I want to do. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about nutrition, just had like a genuine interest in it. Um, and then partly, I guess, how I began to sort of learn more about other things is that I realized nutrition really isn't the be all and end all in terms of improving health and overall well-being and quality of life. I said, like, oh, that's one piece of the puzzle. But once you sort of hit a threshold of being like generally healthy, however you'd want to sort of define that, there's then so much more that you can do to um, improve your, your well-being and sort of get more out of your life. So that's why my focus is sort of shifted um, but I think it all comes back to just wanting to feel energized and feeling um, confident and clear on what I'm doing each day in terms of having a sense of direction um, all of those sorts of things are important to me and I think nutrition is just one sort of part of the overall picture in terms of um yeah like feeling your best and and making the most of what you can do like I want to be able to say travel and have the energy to do like a, a crazy hike on the weekend you know something like that I just don't want to be held back from life by my own health as much as I can there are some things that you have no control over that's going to happen anyway um but as much as I can I want to sort of take care of myself so that I can do the things that I I want to do um so that's where the interest I think sort of came from and as I say it's now expanded beyond nutrition because I realized that that wasn't sufficient for the purposes that I had in mind that really lines up with something I heard you mention uh before um it's going back a few months on Danny Lennon's podcast with value uh setting and would you dive in a little bit more into maybe difference in goal and value setting and how you uh came to that under, or to came to viewing things like that and what they actually are of course there are more and less effective ways to do so but one of the questions that I had for my clients is like well why you know oh, I want to achieve this this, and this okay why you know why do you want to do that what's the purpose of that and I think sometimes when we set goals we do so for reasons that may not be immediately obvious to us. For example, I could set myself the goal of increasing my wealth. 
Um, and that could be for a number of reasons. It could be because I want some uh, sense of security or I want some stability or I want freedom to, to do things that cost money, you know, whatever it is. Or it could be because I um, feel obliged to reach a certain level of income because of social pressure. So there's now like multiple different reasons for wanting to achieve one goal. And the reasons behind the why we pursue the goals we pursue are actually very important because they can influence the way that we go about them. For example, taking it back to this um, financial goal that I may have, if my value behind that is freedom and security or freedom, flexibility, um, the going about that in the sense of working super long hours so that I never have any spare time. I don't see my friends because I'm always working just to, to hit this arbitrary number. Well, then I'm not actually living according to that value of freedom because I actually may already be earning enough to give me the freedom to do the things that I want to do. Um, whereas if I had that value in mind, that would help to guide me um, in a, I guess, a, a clearer way. So when we take it in terms of someone's eating behaviors and their nutrition goals that they set for themselves, they may set themselves the goal of um, losing X amount of weight because they want to increase their confidence. But why do they want to increase their confidence? Well, actually, I just want to be able to be more present in social situations rather than worrying about how I look. So maybe the value behind that is connection with others or I want the confidence to go out on the weekend and wear what I want and um, go and do all these different activities that I feel too self-conscious to do so then the value may be like flexibility or fun or adventure or whatever it is now if we have this value of flexibility that's guiding our our goal setting then going to extreme lengths to diet actually is not aligned with, with our values. So I think we always, there's always a reason behind why we're doing what we do and probably multiple motivations and multiple reasons. And I don't think that we're always clear on those things. So by sitting down to think about what it is that's important to us, we can ensure that our goal setting is serving the purpose of helping us to live in alignment with these values that we already hold. Um, and the benefit to this is that values in that sense are far more flexible than goals, because if we set these goals, I'm going to lose X amount of weight or I'm going to achieve um, X amount of income, then we may sort of blindly pursue those goals no matter what, because that's the goal I've set for my, why am I doing this in the first place? Because things change as well, you know, situations change, you may set yourself a, a nutrition goal, but then what if, things happen in your life, work gets out of hands, you've got family things going on, you know, is that goal actually enhancing your life anymore? Or is it time to put it on hold or pivot in a, a different sort of direction? So keeping in mind what it is that's important to you, I think just helps you to be more flexible in your goal setting process and actually making sure that your goals are enhancing your life rather than being um, driven by maybe more external sort of is, uh, which could be more problematic, especially when we're thinking about this in terms of, say, motivation or autonomous motivation is internally regulated, is usually associated with either success in achieving our dietary goals, um, but also less 
stress in terms of like emotional vulnerability because we all like the sense of feeling like we're the ones making our own decisions rather than oh I have to meet these standards so that other people approve of me so getting in touch with your own values I think can help to bolster that internal regulation and sort of protect you from moving in directions that aren't making you happy overall um that's 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 a great explanation and something I've uh I found very interesting when I did hear, hear you, you mention a few months back and have tried to look into a little bit more myself and apply a little bit more, but that it's, a, it's, it's almost a, a novel approach uh, in that we, we do see a lot of, of goal setting and it, they, it, they can, while it can be really beneficial, it can actually set in real rigid posts uh, for people. So um, yeah, no, that, that's, that, that, that's a very, um, more, I guess it's a bit more intuitive. Uh, it's, it's a bit more uh, alone. Uh, it has the ability to allow life uh, as well as uh, working towards your, your own targets, which is great. Um, Murphy had some questions on intentional eating or uh, uh, along that line, had you? Yeah, we were just going to ask. It, kind of, it would have followed on from like just talking about nutrition coaching and stuff in general, but how you go to intentional intuitive eating, but how like there are four kind of quadrants of where people tend to well not tend to but where they can base their eating around or what guides their eating um and how it can fit into one of the four of them and kind of how each circumstance or each situation will be dependent on the life situation or which one they're being guided by could you just give us an overview of the four quadrants yeah so gabrielle and i have um coined what we term intentional eating to reflect the fact that somebody's dietary behaviors and the way that they may go about modifying or monitoring those really is down to them and there's more than one way to do things so we know that macro tracking for example is very common and it usually it seems to be a bit of a default go-to oh you want to make changes to nutrition here track your macros you'll learn so much um, which is definitely helpful but we wanted to raise the point that you know what that that's not always helpful for every client in you know every situation and actually there are different forms of eating that can be guided by internal cues or external cues and there are forms of eating that are helpful for weight modification but also different forms of eating that are helpful for weight neutral sort of approaches which seems to be you know what weight neutral but my client wants to lose fat you know that seems to be a bit of an a new thing or something that we're not used to considering um and we wanted to raise the awareness of that as well that actually is a lot of validity and we can make changes to someone's health improvements to someone's health changes in their dietary behaviors without focusing on weight and there may be different ways of eating that are more applicable um, or more helpful for that goal so we talk about um, hunger training, macro tracking, mechanical eating, um, also different tools that enhance awareness of internal cues and adaptive eating patterns alongside intuitive eating and mindful eating as well. And it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's just that here are all these different approaches. We've conceptualized them in a quadrant to show you, oh, this one, if you want to, you know, modify someone's weight and we're looking for an externally regulated approach, this is where macro tracking may fall, for example. Um, 
and knowing that we can move between the quad different quadrants as well. So somebody may be starting off with a macro tracking approach and then decides that they want to transition away from that. So what are our other alternatives there? Um, so that was the, the reason that we wanted to um, talk about that. And we actually have a, a webinar series starting next week that goes into more detail on the intentional eating spectrum and putting it into practice. Um, and I also think that it's designed to bridge that gap between, as we mentioned, like, oh, client wants to do this. Actually, I think this could be more helpful. How do we navigate that? Um, so spirit of sort of motivational interviewing, or as we've coined our own um, attitude of comprehensive coaching. So it's a, a way of sort of meeting the client where they're at and offering more tools um, to help them reach their goals, which may or may not be weight focused, could be weight neutral, maybe internally regulated or externally regulated, or maybe they'll do a bit of everything, you know, at different stages. Because you do have to be mindful of like where a client is at based on various stages of their life, whether they're like just learning a little bit about nutrition and an awareness of what they're actually eating for the first time, but also where they are in terms of how busy they are, work schedules, life schedules, all like that, and how different things need to be factored in so that they can have, I suppose, some element of success. And it's not success the harm in your diet, as opposed to like, you know, oh, I had a good day, which was successful, I had a bad day, which was successful. How you, how you balance that out, but also just allowing for real life situations. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that we tend to neglect is actually considering a client's history and their own experience with different approaches. Let's track macros, let's go for it. And we may take that for what it is, you know, just, all right, then you said you wanted to do this, let's do it. But we don't tend to think about, oh, well, what is your experience with macro tracking in the past? And they may say, yeah, it worked for me, didn't really like it because of X, Y, Z, but I feel like it's the only way to reach my goals. So let's do it. That's your opportunity then to think, oh, well, maybe this approach isn't helpful for this person, you know, so not only should we consider what a client wants to achieve, their current life circumstances and what would be most helpful, but also their experience as well of things that they've tried in the past um, and things that have worked and things that haven't worked. And that may help us, again, to, to guide um, a potentially more adaptive approach for them. I suppose to support the coach to, like you mentioned, be able to pivot from one to the other as, as needs be, uh, yeah, just to ultimately support, support the client as best as possible. Um, I suppose, uh, is, is there anything else in that line, Murph, that you want to, to chat about? I suppose we've, we've spoken a good bit so far, Shannon, on uh, your obviously nutrition coaching guidance, you're the areas that uh, need, we see kind of needing to improve but we've mentioned health quite a number of times and so it would be great for us uh, for our listeners to get um, an insight from you just what is health first off where, where you view it from and um, maybe how you go about maybe looking to discuss that with with the client Absolutely. So this is uh, one of my favorite questions because I've been thinking a lot about what it actually means to be healthy um, because like some of our clients come to us and they say, yeah, I want to achieve this way, you know, this goal. Um, and I also want to improve my health or that may not be an explicit goal, but that's a, a goal that I would like to help people achieve because um, health is just a, something that I think that personally is important. So of course that inevitably guides my coaching. Um, but then I started to think, well, what is health? That's kind of an abstract 
you know, concepts. We can't see health. So how do we go about defining it? And the way that we define health determines the way that we strive towards it. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And that's sort of another research area of interest. Um, I came across a model of flourishing health by, it was in a couple of papers by um, Vanderville, I think one was 2017, one was 2019. Um, and he took a broad stance on, on health and um, identified different domains of health. So he included happiness and life satisfaction, physical and mental health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close social relations, and then financial and material stability as a means of achieving the other five domains of health and that made a lot more sense to me because when we're thinking about nutrition changes you know, we may initially think right this is to improve someone's physical health well actually nutrition can affect someone's mental health as well but then even outside of that what about their life you know we always say oh healthy eating it's a lifestyle well what what else is important then in in someone's lifestyle if the goal is to be healthy and the interesting thing about that is that I think everyone sort of has their own definition of health and what that means to them, but we may be able to identify some sort of key variables that um, would go into an overarching model of, of health. And I also came across the somatopsychosocial semiotic model of health, which is sort of like the biopsychosocial model, but with the semiotic component, which just sort of pertains to like sense making, um, meaning. That's where I would put sort of the, the values work in. So maybe even like spirituality and support, as well as their social environment. They their work, um, the, the housing, like the environment that they live in, as well as their physical health, as well as their psychological health, which could be mental health, it could be well-being, it could be um, their education. All of these things are important for living um, what I would like to call um, flourishing health. And recently, I've sort of been exploring the idea of what is mental health, because mental health is distinct from mental illness. So you you can have mental illness and mental health at the same time. This is sort of inspired by the work of Keys, um, who distinguish between flourishing and languishing. So languishing being like not sort of necessarily experiencing any clinical symptoms of different sort of mental health issues, but just a general sense of like, meh, you know, in your life, like we've all kind of felt like that from time to time, like, yeah, you know what, like things are all right, but I don't really feel like I'm sort of um, flourishing in any aspect of my life, whereas flourishing health would be sort of the quote unquote optimal in terms of yes, like your, um, your sort of overall um, have a positive attitude to life you're also resilient in the faith, uh, sense that you can deal with setbacks um, you have a sense of direction all these sorts of things so I was thinking well you know in terms of coaching like yeah I like it began with nutrition coaching but if we're talking about health coaching now well then are there other things that we may be um, able to do to improve someone's overall health in the sense of helping them to flourish and of course we have to be very 
careful about um, what that means in the sense of, again, we're not diagnosing, treating or anything like that when it comes to mental illnesses, but we can actually put steps in place to improve someone's mental health. Um, and this could be in the form of helping them to um, reframe certain thoughts that may be limiting them. So that's sort of part of what the body image work may involve. Um, or if we're looking at the research on positive psychology, it could be in the sense of like gratitude um, interventions or enhancing someone's ability to um, savor the present moment or find flow in different aspects of their life, which may be very applicable um, to athletic populations, for example, because sports performance can be a, a common experience of flow for many people. Um, and thinking about all of these different ingredients that go into, again, always thinking about from my personal Sort of philosophy is like enhancing life and health as a means to um, do that or at least attaining health so that we can live that sort of full and flourishing life so yeah I thought a lot about what it means to be healthy and how we can go about that another interest of mine you know if I have I have a bunch of sort of here the, all the research areas that I'm interested in um, one is I'm very interested in social relations and and social health so then I sort of have been thinking about um, looking at research on say social anxiety, again, not to help people with these specific disorders, but I, I think that I actually spoke to Joe Bryan about this recently, um, about how we often pathologize certain conditions that are just experience. So you've got say, um, body uh say body image issues you could have clinical levels of body image issues in terms of like body dysmorphia that would be more on the extreme end or you've also got people who have all felt self-conscious from time to time so there's um like different degrees of say common experiences and i think we can learn a lot from different psychological approaches in terms of just helping us to navigate the more challenging aspects of life um so i i'm interested in how we can enhance our social relations and um, improve like interpersonal effectiveness, improving our communication, which is why I, I like the, the motivational interviewing techniques. Um, and again, that sort of ties into some of like the areas of body image. Now that I've got a, a decent global overview, I can sort of look more into specific niche areas and I'm looking at how um, someone's body image may affect their social functioning because that falls into the picture of what it means to be healthy. Um, so that's kind of where, how my mind works with all these different sort of bits that I'm trying to piece together. Um, but I do think that considering health from a more I guess global perspective is is super important even when we're actually only working with someone's nutrition you know because as I say you can't really distinguish these things you're working with a person not an energy balance equation um so considering their their life um, and their overall health is important because when you change one thing that can have knock-on effects to other areas of life so um yeah it's, it gets kind of complex and abstract but i think it's actually very important and applicable to to the people that we're working with and to ourselves as well you know that that's a very comprehensive take on um what start, or what sounds like a simple question but it really really is not um yeah there's there's quite a bit there and i really like the um just a bit you touched on there that we could have an impact on one aspect of someone's life but if we're not taking into account how that could ripple throughout 
the rest of uh, everything that makes them them, whether it's their work, sleep, um, you know, it could be anything. Uh, the, that if we're not really looking at looking for that global understanding of of an individual, then we really are just pulling ourselves back to working with an equation, and that really is removing uh, the individual from the, the situation. So I think it's a uh, for me anyway. That's a that's a very important uh, point uh, for for anyone listening to take take away from from today. That's brilliant. Well, um, I I've actually ran out of questions um, because. Uh, <laughs> I ramble too much, so I'm trying to limit myself a little bit. But Murph, have you, have you anything else? No, Shan, that was absolutely fantastic there. If someone wants to, you mentioned you have a few webinars and stuff coming out over the next few weeks. Where can people find those? Or if someone is interested in comprehensive coaching, how can they learn more about that or potentially get involved? Yeah, so we we have the um, intentional webinar series starting next week. It may be possible to catch a replay of that um, if that's already gone ahead by the time that the podcast is released. So I'd keep an eye on. Um, we have a website btgcoaching.com, but also our, I guess Gabrielle and I's social media accounts probably the the easiest place to find us. So mine my Instagram is um, one that I'm most active on. So that's at Shannon Beer underscore. Uh, I also have a website where you can learn more about the different services whether that's the the coaching mentorship or one-to-one coaching Um, but I also have a bunch of articles that I've been working on so I've got one on the topic of what it means to be healthy if you like to learn more about the idea of flourishing health Um, we've got a few coming up on body image Um, I also have a a body image webinar series there's a bunch of stuff that you can find on there and that's shannonlbeard.com but yeah um i appreciate if anyone wants to chat further about anything just to reach out let me know your thoughts on you know some of the topics that we've discussed and that would be awesome oh, lovely thanks a million for your time today i'm sure people will get loads from that <laughs>